Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to Reformed, Reformed Centers. I can say the name of my own show. Um, this is the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical world view. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined remotely, as always, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello. And uh, he is in Pennsylvania. I am in the wonderful state of South Dakota, and uh, we are very glad to be uh doing our show today and for you to join us today is current events monday so we have a lot of stuff to talk about go to our show's website trdshow.net find all sorts of cool stuff there follow us on facebook instagram unfortunately now yes we've caved to our current culture and we're now on the popular popular platforms so follow us there if you're there but also follow us on gab and platforms that care about free speech and uh, send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Sign up for our newsletter, which is trdshow.net slash newsletter. We are looking forward to having more people on our newsletter list and getting emails from you. So thank you to everyone who's already sent us emails already. We really appreciate it. So like I mentioned, today is Current Events Monday. We've got so many crazy, crazy, and I literally mean crazy things to talk about today. Um... I'm going to be talking about the degradation of American culture. What are you talking about, Jake? <laughs> uh, the <clears throat> changing of words. Oh, wow. And what so, they mean. Like straight out of George Orwell 1984 stuff right there. That's, yeah. that's yeah. fun. Great. Sweet. So, yeah, clearly we've got a great show lined up for you today. <laughs> um, but before we get into all of that and talk about our current events, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And our verse this week is Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And uh, that verse says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And again, that was Colossians 3, verses 16 through 18. So, in case you didn't catch that last part, that last sentence of that verse, I'll read it again. It says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And if any of you have stuck around to hear the end of our show and you've listened all the way through our episodes, you will recognize some of the uh, vernacular, some of the language there. We always say in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. In fact, behind me on this plaque, I have do everything for the glory of God. And that's where we're deriving that vernacular from. We're de deriving it from this, from this verse. So... In everything that we do, we should be doing it as, as unto the Lord. Uh, R.C. Sproul in his uh, Reformation Study Bible uh, had this to say about this verse. He said, because believers are united to Christ, not only the word of Christ, but Christ himself lives in their hearts. And he lists a ton of verses for that. Those are all up on screen. With God's wisdom present in this way, the ethical demands of Christian love can be lived out in every part of life, including the everyday responsibilities that are reviewed in chapter 3, verses 18, uh, or verse 18, all the way through chapter 4, verse 6. So that last part of that, you know, where, where he says the ethical demands of Christian love can be lived out in every part of life, including the everyday responsibilities. 
this is something that is totally comprehensive. And when we get into our Friday episode, we're going to be talking a lot more about comprehensive Christianity and what that actually means and entails. But as a sneak preview, what we're going to talk about is how everything that you do, whether it's in word or deed, whether you're thinking it and we're supposed to take every thought captive to Christ, whether you're saying it in your conversations with others, whether you are doing it, you should be doing it as unto the Lord. And so that's why we always end our show with, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord. So this is talking about at the very beginning, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. So that's kind of two ideas, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And as R.C. Sproul said, Believers are united in Christ, but not only the word of Christ, but Christ himself lives in their hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that in all that you do, you can do it as unto the Lord. So we need to be immersed in the word of God. We need to know what it says about all areas of our lives. We need to be around other people who can sharpen us in those regards, like iron sharpens iron. And we need to be going to churches that can do the same thing. So I thought that was really important. And we're going to be discussing today how to apply the Bible and theology to current events. So I thought this was um, uh, this pretty, this, this talked very closely to what we're, what we're discussing. So related to what we were discussing. So anything you'd like to add to that, Jake, before we move on? I will give my synopsis on this. Uh, Wednesday. Next episode on Wednesday. Sweet. Um, <clears throat> but mainly what I'm, what I want to focus on is that, is that there that where you whatever we do we should be doing in the name of the Lord and <clears throat> but that we ourselves as Christians are image bearers of God so in everything we will be doing it with Christ's name attached to us mm. we want to be making sure that whatever we do we are doing it well yes right? in, yeah in, in order to know that we look have to look to the Bible to know what is good or not yes Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a really great point, Jake. Um, yeah, we should be looking to apply, as our as our new t-shirt says, all of scripture to all of life. And that, that last part of that is all of life, right? Like the Bible has something to say about all of life. So yeah, very cool. All right. Well, and for those of you watching us before we move on, yes, we are both wearing ties. So let's just <laughs> acknowledge that and, and move on. <laughs> um. Yeah, for those we of you who decided to scale it up a little bit today. Scale it up a little bit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yes. We we upgraded our wardrobe a smidge. So <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the plus side, we both kind of look like news reporters. So for the current events section, maybe that, I don't know, that helps. <laughs> Puts you that in the mood of current events. From now on, we always wear right. ties on the... For the current events episode. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Whether it be with casual shirts or nice shirts, yes. we always wear a tie. <laughs> you got a t-shirt with a, with a tie yep. over the top of it. Yeah, love it. Um, all right. So you want to go first? Did you want me to go first? You mentioned something. I can definitely go first. All right, I would sweet. love to go first. Let's, do, let's stick with but, tradition. You know, we were just talking yeah. about starting a new yeah. one. Let's stick yeah. with some of the old ones too, so... Go for it. <laughs> well, alrighty, uh, and uh, oof, this is when when I first heard about this, I was not necessarily shocked because it sounds like something the left would do. But oh, great, one of um, those, huh? Yes, yeah. But <laughs> let me let me just read the headline out, and it's uh, U.S. economy slips into recession as inflation weighs on growth. So, and I'm using this article 
Right, this is from the Epoch Times, and it's really talking about what a recession is and all the stuff that's happening. But I wanted to take this time to talk about something else that's really been going on, and that is um, the definition of recession, <laughs> right? And the definition of recession hinges on quarterly checks on the economy. Hmm. Um, and actually, it might not be quarterly. I think it's... No, I think it is quarterly. I'm right. I'm right on that. I'm keeping it there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maintaining um, that. But, but if if two quarters in a row are marked as um, deficits, uh, then we would be in a recession. Mm. And currently, two quarters in a row, we are marked as a deficit. Wow. We are in a deficit. We have negatives. Oh, great. Um, yeah. However... The left refuses to acknowledge that we are in a recession. Yeah. And as the Epoch Times writes, and this is a, really a quote from someone else, but it says, It is widely believed that two consecutive quarters of declining real GDP is an outright recession. Economist Ed Yardeni, sorry if I butchered that name, <laughs> wrote in a note. Oh, he's going to find you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that first part, it is widely believed that two consecutive quarters of declining real GDP is an outright recession. That is wow. That is um economist Ed Yardeni, and then he goes on to say, however, it won't be an official recession until the dating committee of the National Bureau of Economic Research says so, <laughs> which could be a while. Oh my goodness! So it's not. They won't even, until they classify it as a recession, we can't call it that. So they're the ones in charge of, okay. Exactly. Sure. So when so all the numbers said the pandemic, when all the numbers said the pandemic was over, it wasn't over until they said it was over. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And, and really it's, yeah, it's, it's, again, we're, we're not focusing on what the definition is and what the truth is. And another thing um, another thing that I wanted to bring up is um, that Wikipedia, their definition for recession has been updated 22 times. Oh, my goodness. Within the last 24 hours. Whoa. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. So they're, yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of hilarious. When the left is not succeeding, <clears throat> what they do is change the definition of success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> success now means... What we say it means, and we're doing it. Exactly. We're succeeding now because <laughs> we changed we changed the goalpost. We changed what success actually means. The right. definition of a, of a word in a language that they don't own, but they think mm -hmm. that they own. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and exactly. And uh, something that was funny in this article, in this and in this quote, is that Ed Yardeni goes on to um, to say that. All right, since it since we're not going to call it a recession, let's call it something else. Let's call it a banana. <laughs> and so it's like, and, and out of that came my own thinking, and um, was that was something that I was thinking. It was like, okay, even if they're not going to call it a recession, what do we do? Mm. Right? If it's yeah. not a recession, if it is a recession, whether it well, if they want to call it a recession or not. It is a recession. Yeah. But, but 
our action should still be the same. Hmm. And it's, we need to be saving our money <laughs> so we do not become the lender's slaves. Ooh. As Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Yes. Right? Us borrowing, time. us being in debt, yeah. we become the lender's slave. Right? And that's, when I say save money, I mean actually save money. Like, when you have all this debt, you're at a deficit. And that money that you, you claim to have saved is not saved. Hmm. It's going to that, to that debt right. to, to pay it off. So really, saving money, you need to not have any debt. <clears throat> and then also, something that clearly states, talking about debt, is Romans 13.8, which says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to leave you with those two verses talking about debt. And really, Christians should be getting out of debt. And especially in times such as these that a recession is going on. Yes. Wow. That's a really great, great point. Great tie in there, Jake. Thanks so much. Really cool. Um, well, that was, uh, that was bad. But uh, <laughs> I hate to tell y'all, I'm going to make it worse. So <laughs> it gets worse. It, gets it, worse. D- it does get worse. It does get worse. Um, so much happened this week. So much. And I'm only going to be bringing up two, two instances that are bad enough. But so many other things happened that were just despicable as well. Um, I want to take the opportunity, take this opportunity with these two things popping up to discuss something that ties in really well with our literature this month. So as you know, we've been, well, maybe you don't know if you're a new listener, but we've been reading through presuppositional apologetics stated and defended by Dr. Greg Bonson this whole month. This is our last week with that book, actually. But it's we've been talking about what happens when a society turns away from the Word of God. Specifically in this book, we've been talking about what happens when an individual on an epistemological level, turns away from the word of God and doesn't make that their ultimate standard. Modern day America is a study of what happens when God's word stops being the ultimate standard of, of authority for a society. So knowledge and wisdom begin with the fear of the Lord. We, we can't have these things that we call wisdom and knowledge. We cannot have wisdom. We cannot have epistemology, which is the study of wisdom. We cannot have logic. We cannot have any of these things unless we understand God and we start with God. Um, Jacob, what's your first favorite phrase is always in the beginning God, right? That's mm-hmm. our starting place. That's where we have yeah. to begin. Um, Psalms. And that's taken directly from Genesis, yep. Genesis 1 1. Yep. In the beginning, God. Exactly. Yep. For and sure. It really that's how the Bible lays starts. out like, yeah, exactly. It's how the Bible starts. Yep. It's how we should start yes. everything. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Psalms chapter 111, 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Colossians chapter 2 verses 2 through 3 says, Reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, 
are we picking up on a theme here? Hopefully <laughs> this is the center of the problem with our society today. We can turn and look at politics. We can turn and look at all sorts of other things and think that maybe, well, we just didn't vote well, or, oh, we put someone in office and they weren't who we thought they would be, or, oh man, why didn't they vote this way on a certain bill? And all of that is true, but we're missing the point. We're, we're looking at a symptom and we're treating that. It's, a, it's like you have a cold and you're like, shoot, this stupid cough. If only this cough weren't here, right? But it's like, it's not the cough that's the problem. It's the cold. It's the underlying symptoms that are causing that. So I, I want to talk about the results of denying the wisdom of God. So we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We can't have knowledge. We can't have logic. We can't have any of these things without the fear of the Lord being our foundation. What exactly happens? I mean, it's great to think about these things. And if we're Christians, we should truly believe them because the word of God should be our ultimate standard and we shouldn't need our human eyes. We shouldn't need these things, but God gives them to us anyways. He gives us examples of what happens when he is not our foundation. There's two articles that I'd like, two headlines I'd like to bring up from this week that I think perfectly epitomize this. My first headline is, New York, New York Times gets skewered for suggesting there is a time and place for cannibalism. New York Times, which is a newspaper. Uh, I think they do like an online website, news organization of some variety. They are suggesting that there is a time and a place for cannibalism. More specifically, their person who's in charge of like cookbooks and recipes, she's the one who said that. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's wow. um, that's one. So if that doesn't gross you out, this next one definitely will. Second well, headline. I mean, that's, Go ahead, Jake. That's when talking about when you if we're talking about Greg Bonson's book here, when talking about uh, presuppositional apologetics, that's like that's where we go to. Yeah. That's that's our extreme. You know. Yeah. That's like like we always we've been saying we push the antithesis. Yes. Like we push as much as we can. The the um the anti there's a logical uh, phrase for that called reducto ad absurdum, which means you reduce it to its absurdity. You take it to its extreme and you show how absurd it truly is. That's yeah. This is our reducto ad absurdum. This is what we usually do to show people how absurd it is as a hypothetical scenario that would never actually uh, uh, actualize. Exactly. It's showing uh, that. Do you if if why do you think murder is wrong? Right. Right. Does does cannibalism is cannibalism? Yeah. Is that okay? wrong? Well, no. if they're being consistent with their worldview, no. which now we're starting to see more people being consistent on both sides, thankfully, but especially on their side, uh, being consistent with their worldview. This, no. from an atheistic worldview, is fine. It's like, yeah, whatevs. We can do anything. We're but, just animals, after all. But that doesn't mean, and this is the cool thing. That that doesn't mean presuppositional apologetics doesn't even still work. If they allow cannibalism, if they allow murder, if they allow theft, presuppositional apologetics still works. Yes. It just becomes a little bit more harder to learn and philosophical when you're right. talking about the the knowledge of the mind and the soul. Yes. Yes. Well, and here's the but, interesting thing, too. 
they know the truth but suppress it in unrighteousness. So mm-hmm. while they can pretend for a season, for a time they can pretend like this doesn't phase them, for a time they can pretend like they don't have an issue with cannibalism, we know in their heart of hearts that the law of God is imprinted on their heart. They yeah. know this is wrong. And eventually they'll come to that realization. I mean, we're now seeing one to two or three generations of people who two generations ago murdered their child through the heinous act of uh, sacrifice to Baal or what we call abortion. Um, these people are now waking up to that fact and have incredible guilt for what they did 20, 30 years ago. Hmm. <laughs> To quote Dr. Strange, the bill always comes due. <laughs> yeah. You will face the consequences either here on earth or in hell. And um, you, you can't deny these things. So, yeah, that's a really good point, Jake, that presuppositional apologetics against this. You're just like, well, man, if they're not even willing to admit that this is wrong, it's like, how can we even do presuppositional apologetics with them? It's like, no, 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 this makes it even more effective because they mm-hmm. do know the truth. They suppress it in unrighteousness. So, yeah. yeah, good good point. All right, headline number two. If that wasn't bad enough for you, buckle up. It gets worse. <laughs> Mother loses custody of daughter after denying that her child is transgender. And she said, my child is a girl. Mother loses custody of her daughter. This woman has lost custody of her daughter after denying that her child is transgender. So her child, that there is a large uh, scenario that ensued over the past three years that this finally bubbled up to this conclusion. Um, but a long chain of events, eventually, because she refused to say that her daughter was a, was a boy, because her daughter felt like a boy, Um, her daughter wanted to become God. And because this mother wasn't restraining her originally, okay, this is as much the mother's fault as it is the father's fault, which the article blames the father and the psychologists. Yes, it's their fault as well. But it's also the mother's fault. Uh, This next part, I pulled an excerpt from this article. You should read the whole thing, but I pulled an excerpt from this article that actually demonstrates that it's actually a large majority of the, the mother's fault as well. Um, but uh, it says the, the article goes on to discuss the ridiculous hoops that the state is making this woman go through in order to see her daughter. Uh, but it also explains that the mother is a devout, radical feminist and is a Democrat, but that she, and here's this next part, quote right from the article, actually right from the woman herself, doesn't align with the party's views that a child can be trans. And yet, You vote Democrat, so you vote for baby murder. You Mm -hmm. are a feminist, so you don't understand what the Bible says about the family unit and about your role as a woman and a man's role. You don't understand the fundamental building blocks of life. And yet you're trying now to grasp onto the last straw, the last part of reality that remains, which is God created them male and female. Male and female, he created them. You're trying to hold onto that last last little chunk of reality that you haven't shoved out the window yet and you seem like and you're like vindicated like everyone should come around me because i'm saying that uh, a child shouldn't be trans i'm Mm. sitting over here looking at your situation yes empathizing but also saying lady you gave up on reality years ago (laughs) Mm. and the garbage that you fed your child led her to this point because her foundation which should have come from you was not the word of god you did this to her just as much as her psychologist did. So 
trusting in our own wicked hearts is, is insanity. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's a rhetorical question because no one can. We can't understand our hearts. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 22 says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, which is a longer passage, but I really think it's worth reading through. Honestly, all of Romans 1 nowadays. Romans 1 and uh, when it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. I would be uh, reading up on some of those passages right about now. <laughs> it's uh, telling you exactly what's going to happen to this country. Evil Romans the base nations. What's, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, nations that stoop to the despicable and despotic levels that our nations have today. Yeah. yeah. So Romans chapter 1 verses 28 through 32 says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteousness, uh, righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them, end quote. Wow, that is so, so applicable to us today. And it's such a long list of evils, but we could literally look through news articles and pull out examples of every single one of those evils today. You know it's bad when you can look in the Old Testament at the curses placed on a rebellious nation and have a newspaper right next to those, next to the Bible, and pull out a news article for every single curse. You know it's bad, and you know our nation's under judgment when these things are true. But the worst part is that we don't know as Christians that it's preventable, fixable, repairable. If my people who would turn would turn from their wicked ways, repent, and seek Him, would seek God, He says, He will restore their land. He will hear from heaven. God will hear from heaven and restore their land. Um, there's a lot more I want to talk about. I'll just briefly touch on a few verses. Before I do, though, Jake, is there anything that you'd like to add to this conversation before I just kind of wrap things up? Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep it rolling. You got more. Keep it rolling. All right. So I want to talk about two things. Fools bring about their own destruction. And I want to talk about God working to restore this world and bless nations that follow him. So I'll only read, I have three verses, but I'll only read a few of them um, about fools bringing their own destruction. Proverbs 18, 7 says, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Uh, Psalms chapter 9, 16 says, the Lord has made himself known. He has ex executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. They bring about their own demise. They're doing this to themselves. When um, sinners, when, when the unbelievers say, how can a righteous God allow these things to happen? 
They don't understand their own depravity. They don't understand the truth that they are doing this to themselves. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. Second Peter 2, 10 through 12 says, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. That does not sound pleasant. Um, I just want to briefly wrap up with the, uh, the, the fact that God is working to restore this world and bless the nations that follow him. The so, good news. The good news, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been morbid. It's been really, it's been like, wow. Okay, hopefully eye-opening. And hopefully, I mean, I feel like we're hitting people over the head episode after yeah. episode after episode with this. But hopefully by now you've gotten the point that America is not the promised land. And that <laughs> American yeah. nationalism is not the answer to our problems. America first is garbage <clears throat> and idolatry. Mm. And I hope that we've made that point very clear. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, all of these in, we, we talk about history repeats itself. Yeah. Right. And just like we see in the Bible, right? This Romans in, in Romans, we find all like this debasement, right? Yeah. And how it's, it's terrible. And, and this is how Rome fell. We see in multiple times when nations, nations grow big, right? They, they become they become big. They become mm. conquerors of other nations. Yeah. Right? Well, some trust in her- in horses, some in chariots, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's what they start to do. But we will trust in the Lord. Trust in the name of the Lord, right? right? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off, but no. Yeah. But um, what we we find this like this rhythm, right? Is that we have a nation that grows. Yep. And then falls. Yes. And before it falls, it goes to this sort of evil yeah right yeah and the problem is we're seeing it now we're seeing Mm. it in america yes yes and it's that level of city on a hill exactly oh that's a great analogy yeah great point yeah the the level of of arrogance because pride goes before a fall the level of arrogance where man has set himself up as god that's Mm. what happens when we trust in ourselves we trust in horses, we trust in chariots, instead of trusting in God, which is why we were commanded to not have a huge standing army, right? Mm -hmm. Because we weren't supposed to be dependent on that army, but now we are. We think we're invincible. We think we're impenetrable because of our own hands. We're impenetrable. We can do anything we want now because of our great military, which (laughs) is very quickly filling up with both women, feminists, trans people, and all sorts of garbage. So that it's not going to be that great for too long. So, Psalms 33 verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Blessed is that nation. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their 
land. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, talking about Christ, exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is hope, because this is true. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. That's what we're working towards when we talk about comprehensive Christianity. There is hope for that because God says that will happen. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 26 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and authority and power. For he must reign. And we know now that he is reigning. So this is talking about from now until he comes back. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Christ is reigning right now. Defeating all of his enemies. Putting them to shame. And then the last enemy that he'll come back to destroy will be death. And at that time, he'll turn the kingdom over to God the Father. So there is hope. We are working towards victory. There is an incredible, there are incredible promises, incredible truths we see in scripture, but the hope of the future. But that doesn't mean that we have that right now. That doesn't mean that right now it's all just going to be great and we can sit back and do nothing because Christ has called us to work for that hope. Christ has called us to go there for and make disciples of all nations. And when we don't do that, God reprimands those whom he loves. And that's what we're having to go through right now. So, uh, Jake, anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? It's a bit of a longer one, but I think it was good content, so <laughs> hopefully I'll, insightful I'll let, stuff. I'll let that stand. Cool. Your last statement. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you all, everyone, very much for listening to us today. Don't forget, trdshow.net is our show website. Check it out today. Also, send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Sign up for our newsletter, trdshow.net slash newsletter. Follow us on Gab. And uh, we are looking forward to seeing you on our next episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.